God for redemption. Thank God for redemption. Now say, I am redeemed. Hallelujah. The message we're talking about today is how we want to thank God for redemption. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and the 57th verse, it says, Thanks be to God who has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about blessings on top of blessings and win after win and overcoming after overcoming and breakthrough after breakthrough, it is all because of Jesus. Amen. Say it's all because of Jesus. Now, can you do me a favor? Can you tell your neighbor, say, I know it's Easter, but I'm going to need you to relax. So everybody here, let, let's just make it clear. Those of you who typically don't come to church, you won't get no call out today. No one's going to ask you to stand. Nobody's going to try to get you in the back room. You can relax. You can chill, okay? FOC people, you can chill because you don't have to be reserved because they're here, all right? Because you would set them up to make them think that we're really this mild, and then they come next week and find out we aren't, and then they're going to be set up for failure, right? And in this church, we love the word. Say, I love the word, because the word changes my life. Amen. So we're going to get into this message. We're going to pray, and then before you know it, you'll be out of here ready for Easter dinner. Amen. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for this day that we are celebrating that marks the fact that Jesus did get up. We thank you that when he got up, he got up with all power in his hand and he gave us access to that power so that we are redeemed and free from sin, death, de destruction, and every plot and plan of the enemy. Father, we thank you that you said anytime we see, hear, and understand the word that we could be converted and that we would be healed. And we declare that this is conversion and healing day. Our eyes are open to hear, our, to see. Our ears are open to hear and our hearts are open to understand and receive the word. We believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about redemption. So let's define what redemption is. Everybody knows that I love to define words. I think it's so important to know what a word means. So redemption actually has two definitions and both of those definitions apply to us. The first definition of redemption is the act of saving or being saved from sin, error, and evil. So the first definition of redemption is the act of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. That's pretty dope. We're celebrating the fact that we have been redeemed from sin, error, and evil. The second definition of redemption is the act of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment. Regaining possession of something in exchange for payment. So I'm going to give you a short little biblical history and then help you line up to understand why it was so important for Jesus to go to the cross. Tell your neighbor, say, it was necessary for him to go to the cross no matter how good you think you are. All right, so I'm going to explain to you in a way that it makes sense because a lot of times people, has anybody ever heard the saying, God is sovereign? God is sovereign. And so then people say things like, well, if God is sovereign, how come people rape? If God is sovereign, how come people molest? If God is sovereign, how come the marriage didn't work? Okay, so I'm going to explain that to you. In God's sovereignty, he gave dominion and authority to man. If you go to Genesis, the first chapter, you will find the plan of God. He takes a man, he takes a woman, he creates them in his own image. He gives them his power, his authority, his dominion. He makes them just like him. Say in the beginning, I was just like him. He gives them authority over the earth in the same way that he has authority over heaven. He gives them an instruction. He says, you can have all of this except this one tree over here. You can't have this one tree over here. 
Some of you understand what that looks like. God is like, you can have all of this, but you can't date him. You can have all of that, but you can't date her. All of this is available to you, but you can't have that. So he says to them, um, you can have all of this, but you cannot have this tree. Somebody says, why did God put a tree there that he didn't want them to touch? I believe that that tree was indicative of the tithe. He was saying to them that there are some things that don't belong to you, even though you have most of it. And that tree is a reminder to you that when you touch what doesn't belong to you, you end up in situations that you never should be in. That's a side note. Don't worry. I'm not trying to get your money today. So then he goes on. He gives them authority, dominion, and he gives it to them. And he says, the earth is yours. Multiply. Do whatever it is you want to do. If you understand and you read the Hebrew accounting of what happened, he would bring some clay to Adam. He would say to Adam, what is it going to be called? Adam would say elephant. It would become an elephant. He would say, Adam, what is it going to be called? And he would name it. So everything, this sets up the principle that your life is what you say. Say my life is the sum total of what I say about my life. Your marriage is hard because you keep saying it is. Allergies take you out because you keep saying it. You keep being stressed out because you keep saying it because God created you to have whatsoever you say. So then people go, oh, no, that's, that's secular humanism. No, 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 it's secular humanism if you think the universe gave you power. But when you know that the God of the universe gave you power, it's not secular humanism, it's Christianity. It is the power of God at work on the inside of your life. Anyway, Adam and Eve have all of this power. They can do whatever it is they want to do. They can create anything they want to create, but they can't touch this tree. Enter the enemy who comes in and does what he always does to people. And he says, did God really say you can't date Joe? Or did he tell you just not to marry Joe? He didn't tell you not to date him, did he? Then Eve goes, well, you know, I'm not really sure, maybe. You know, he didn't actually say, don't date him. He just said, don't marry him. Anyway, Adam and Eve, they eat the tree. We're not here to debate about whose responsibility it was to eat or not to eat. The point of the matter is, is that we're all here because of their choice, right? But the Bible says that before the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain because God was smart enough to know that if he gave authority and dominion to man, then man could choose not to obey him. So he had to have a plan of man redemption before man messed up. So God didn't think of a plan to get you back before when Adam and Eve ate. Before they ever could eat, he already had a plan because if it hadn't have been Adam and Eve, it could have been Sean and Strick. See, they could have walked on through all the way, could have got all the way to here, and it could have been me. But he had to have a plan to get you back say, God is always thinking about me. God is always thinking about me. So then in, that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, thanks be to God who gives us the power to get victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Adam and Eve, you know the deal. They sin. You say, what does their sin have to do with me? I'm going to make it really plain for you. Let's say we were all one family, and I was the mom of the family. And I'm all y'all moms. Thank the Lord I'm not, but praise the Lord. Um, but, but for the purpose of this illustration, I'm all y'all moms, Okay. And I sell us into slavery. Now you are born into slavery even before you did anything. That's why everybody needs a savior. Because Adam and Eve took their authority, gave it to the devil. And by doing so, put all humanity under the weight of the devil. Which is why Paul said the time when you want to do right, you can't do right. Because your, your flesh belongs to the devil. 
But then, because God had a plan way back when, and then he kept prophesying the plan into earth. I'm talking to somebody in here. He kept using somebody, and the first setup is Abraham. Because in order for God to give you a harvest, he always needs a seed. So he asked Abraham for his son. He knew he was never going to take Abraham's son because Abraham's son was not a sufficient sacrifice. But if Abraham was willing to offer up his son, it gave God access to get his son into the earth. Sometimes when God is asking you for a sacrifice, he don't really want it. He just needs you to give it up so he can get what he really needs into your life. You fighting over $5, he trying to get you 5000 So... He's using prophetically every prophet, every prophet's decreeing and declaring the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Isaiah is all about the Messiah is coming. Arise and shine for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord is up on you. And then all of a sudden, after a period of time when God says nothing to no one, he meets a little girl named Mary. And he sends an angel and he says to her, you have been chosen to carry my seed because from the foundation I had something I needed to get into the earth. Mary says, how am I supposed to do it? He says, the Holy Ghost is going to come up on you because God needed a woman to give the baby, but he had to provide the seed because only his seed could take away the sins of the earth. Because every seed in man had been corrupted by Adam and Eve. So he needed a perfect seed. And he, because he gave sovereignty to man, he actually needed Mary to say yes. Say, if God is going to do anything great in your life, he needs you to say yes. See, some of you trying to get God to wrestle you down. He's not going to wrestle you down in order to get it. You got to say yes. You got to participate in the plan of the victory for your own life. Mary says, yes, Jesus is born. He is 100% God and he is 100% man. What you don't understand is that God actually takes himself, wraps himself up in flesh and produces himself in the earth. And he does it because he needs to die in order to get you back to where you need to be. Literally, Jesus is a break off of God. He pulls up out of his godness, puts it inside of Mary, and then Mary comes, gives birth. He lives as a man and he lives as God. And then he goes to the cross. And he goes to the cross. And the best part of the story is not that he went to the cross. That part of the story sucks. That he got beat and pierced and all of that stuff. Every time I hear that story, I think better him than me because I would have been like y'all on your own. Anyway, he goes to the cross and he dies. We talk about all night Friday night, all night Saturday, all night Saturday, all night Saturday night. Anybody who can count knows that's not three days, but that's the way we like to tell the story. So I'll leave it there today. But I need you to know that when he was dead, he was doing something. In order to get to hell, you had to be a man. So God dressed up as a man to get access into hell. He got access into hell, and when he showed up, the devil went, oh, hell, I messed up. Then Jesus said, I know you thought I was a man, but I was really God, and I came to get the authority that Adam gave away. So I need healing back. I need righteousness back. I need redemption back. He didn't get it and go back to heaven. That's not what he did. 
He made a stop by earth because he never intended for you to be bound again. And then he said, that's why before he goes back, he says, all power that's in me, not just the power I had from heaven, but the power I went and snatched out of hell. See, before Jesus, you just had to try to live right as best you could, and it wasn't enough. But after Jesus, you got access to the power that will literally break depression off of you, crumble it to the ground, and sweep it away. And sweep it away. Somebody feeling some stuff being swept off of them right now. Because the biggest mistake of the salvation message is that you think it's just about going to heaven, but it's about the ability to bring heaven into earth. In your life right now, while you on the ground still around, you ain't got to wait till you get to heaven to live your best life, but you do have to know who your God is. So as we close, I just want to tell you three things you've been redeemed from. Number one, you've been redeemed from sin. You don't have to give in to your flesh and do any and everything. You ain't got to lie no more. You ain't got to steal no more. You ain't got to cheat no more. You ain't got to hold no more. You ain't got to get high no more. You ain't got to do none of that no more because you've been redeemed. Somebody say, I've been redeemed. You didn't say it like you believed it. Somebody say, I've been redeemed. Saying there's some stuff that I used to struggle with that's got to lead me today. The number two thing that you've been redeemed from is you've been redeemed from false identity. Anything that's beneath what God says about you is a false identity. If you call yourself broken, he call yourself and he called you rich, it's because you got a false identity. If you say you ain't good enough when he says you're the righteousness of God, it's because you got a false identity. But you've been redeemed from the wrong identity. It don't matter what your mama called you. It don't matter that your daddy wasn't there. It don't matter what your teacher said about you. What God says is that you are created in the image of God Almighty and ain't nobody like you. Somebody say, I've been redeemed for, from a false identity. I am enough. Now, those two things are good enough. I've been redeemed from sin, so I ain't got to live like hell no more. I've been redeemed from a false identity, so I ain't got to play small no more. But there's a third thing. He redeemed you from evil. Sickness is evil. Depression is evil. Poverty is evil. Depression is evil. Anxiety is evil. Stress is evil. So he freed you from sin so you could step away from it. He gave you your identity so you could reject it. And then he freed you from evil so you could say, that's not my life. That's not my life. That doesn't belong to me. That's not my life. And so, you know, I know that you want to go and eat. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up for you. The next time you think about all night Friday night, you ought to think about how God went down into hell and crushed generational curses over your life. <laughs> the next time you think about all day Saturday, you ought to think about how he broke rejection off of your life and you ain't got to be rejected because they rejected you. Say, I am not rejected. I am accepted. And I am enough. And it's all because of Jesus. And when you think about all night Saturday night, you ought to think about all the times you've ever been sick in your body and know that it's illegal and it has no right to be there. 
every sickness, every disease, every destruction, every anxiety, every attack against your mind, it is illegal because you may be in the earth, but you're not of the earth. You are formed of an incorruptible seed. And what God has put in you, nobody can take it from you, but you can give it up if you don't know who you are. So as we talk about a year of great victory, I decree and declare that the greatest victory for you this year will be that you will understand who you are. And you will stop taking things that don't belong to you. If UPS shows up at your house and they got a package that say John Smith and your name is not John Smith, you don't sign for that. You send it back. When sickness shows up, that don't say from heaven. When poverty shows up, that don't say from heaven. When destruction shows up, that don't say from heaven. So you ought to only be looking for what God has given to you. So, we go pray and we go be done. Part of transformation is simply a choice. Part of transformation is simply a choice. You got saved because you chose it. You get free because you choose it. That don't mean you don't have to walk through some things. That don't mean you don't have some struggle. But it's the difference between walking through something because you think you're free and trying to get free. There's a difference between knowing you're free and trying to get free. Jesus already gave you all the freedom you need. That's why we say God's already done everything he's going to do. Because when Jesus was on that cross and he went to hell and he came back, he gave you everything you need in order to be victorious. So I don't know what you're struggling with today. And I don't have to know. Because what I do know is that there is a name that is above. <laughs> whatever the diagnosis, whatever the prognosis, whatever the people said, whatever the banker said, there is a name that is above that name. So I wish that in your mind, whatever you had been going through, you would just see the name of Jesus being higher. And that we would end this service, this part of the service, that as you see Jesus higher than your whatever, that you just lift your hands and begin to worship and thank the Lord. I thank you that the victory's already mine. I thank you that struggle is broken off of me. I thank you that I'm free. I thank you that I'm redeemed. I thank you that I'm not bound. I thank you that I'm an overcomer. I thank you that I'm victorious. It is so in Jesus' name. I believe. I receive. I believe. I receive. I believe. I receive. I'm already healed. My body may be hurting, but I'm healed. My mind may be confused, but I'm healed. I believe the word of the Lord.